Well, good morning. Welcome to LifePoint today. If you're here for the first time, thank you so much for sharing part of your day with us and checking out our church. My name's Donnie Williams. I'm one of the pastors here. We'd love to meet you after the service. If you could come down front and just introduce yourself, there'll be a few of us down here to greet you and say hello. Well, we're in week two of a series called Happy New Year. We decided to do this series because over the next several weeks, there's going to be a couple of holidays coming up. You, you guys know that, right? Uh, one of them's called Black Friday. <laughs> and you're probably getting prepared for that, you know, as we speak. But what, what would happen if we got into the new year and you were prepared like never before? You were ready for it like never before. What if you got into the new year and the credit card bill came and you opened it up and it was all zeros? Wouldn't that be great? Now, some of you are like, well, I already, yeah, I, I do that already. So what can I do the next 25 minutes? Sleep? You can help the rest of us. You can share your wisdom. You can give your advice. And we actually have a way for you to do that. We have a Facebook group set up called the LifePoint Debt-Free Christmas Challenge. Uh, you can just go to that, um, go search for that on Facebook, and you'll be able to find it. Please join it. Share your wisdom. Share when you find a good deal. Share when you figure out a way to go through the holidays debt-free or buy gifts in a more reasonable manner. But the goal of this series is for us to get to 2016 in just a few weeks and be able to say, I'm ready this time. It's different. We started out last week talking a little bit about what Jesus had to say about our money and what he had to say about our possessions. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. Uh, you can keep that. You can borrow it. You can also follow along on the screen as I read uh, from several different parts of God's Word today. So we're going to continue to look at what Jesus had to say about our money and our possessions. And the section of Scripture that we're in is in the New Testament book of Luke. And we're at a point where this whole discussion that we're going to read got started with a question. And the question was, hey, Jesus, can you tell my family to divide my inheritance the right way? In other words, make sure that I get what's coming to me. Make sure that I get my stuff. So Jesus is teaching these deep theological truths. And the first question the guy asks is, hey, could you help me out? Could you maybe help, tell my brother to divide this and do it fairly and do it equally? And so Jesus' response is found in the book of Luke, chapter 12, and it says this. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Now, even though possessions feel good, even though buying things does give us a temporary sense of fulfillment, it does. It feels good to get new stuff, doesn't it? It just feels good. But Jesus doesn't want our lives to be all mixed up in that. The reason is if we see our lives as just meant to acquire and earn and gather things up here on earth, we're going to miss out on God's best every time. And so in this first part, we talked about Jesus helping his listeners identify what greed was. And we said that, well, the best way to identify greed is not to look at somebody else, but to look in the mirror. And if you missed last week, please go online, listen to it, download it, and watch it. 
and get caught up as to what we've been talking about starting last week. Now today I want to talk to you about something that I bet every person in here has dealt with probably today. If not today, yesterday. Uh, maybe you deal with this in a chronic nature. Maybe it creeps into your life every now and then. And that's worry. All of us have dealt with worry. I worried today about a few things. I really did. And I thought, well, I got to tell everybody about it. And here I am being the one that's worrying. But imagine a worry-free life. A life where you didn't dwell on the things you didn't want to see happen. That's what worry is. It's wasting your imagination. It's looking into the future and dwelling on that which you don't want to happen. That's what worry is. Imagine in a few weeks, 2016 rolls around and you are worry-free. You don't spend your time worrying. You spend your time doing something else. And what we're going to find out and what Jesus has to say today is that my trust in money and my level of worry are interconnected. My trust in money and stuff and the level of worry in my life, they're connected. Because as soon as Jesus stopped talking about, and I'm not leaving any verses out here, I'm just going right through what he talked about. As soon as he stopped talking about greed and what greed looks like and how foolish it would be to just chase after things here and store up things here while never being generous towards God, he says that's a foolish thing to do. As soon as he finishes talking about that, he starts talking about worry. Beginning in verse 22 of the same chapter, he says this. It says this. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body's more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a, a little thing like that, What's the use of worrying over bigger things? So I'm going to guess that you've probably worried about some of the things Jesus is talking about. Worried about the future. Worried about, uh, worried about how you're going to get more money because you got a little, but you need more. So you worry about it. Or you got a lot of money and people keep coming for it. You're worried about how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to deal with more people wanting more of my money? So either way, no matter which side you're on, you end up worrying about money, and Jesus is saying it's ridiculous to do that because you can't accomplish anything by worrying. This is the week in the month that my family sits down and we go through our budget. We look at how we're doing. Are we spending too much? Can we allocate some money somewhere else? And every time I have to fight this idea of worry creeping in, I have to fight thinking, okay, I want to buy this, so, so I got I to think about it, I gotta, and I get obsessed with it, and I have to fight that every time I sit down, and you're probably like that too, where we have to fight worrying about the wrong things. Jesus is saying, don't worry. Worry is not going to fix anything. Worry gains me nothing. There's no positive ground covered through worry. You'll never hear anybody say they got where they are in a positive way because they worried. You'll never talk to a person that's lived, you know, 98 years, 100 years and say, how did you do that? I worried. 
I just worried myself to 100 years old. Nobody would say that. How do you have such a strong marriage that's an example? We worry about it. How do you have great kids? We worry about it. Just start worrying. It's going to work. Nobody says that. If you go on Amazon and you look for uh, books about worry, there's over 11,000 books that have to deal with worry. How to stop worrying. How to stop worrying about your health. How to stop worrying about relationships. How to stop worrying about money. How to stop just being worried about every little thing in life. There is no book titled, Worry Your Way to a Better Life. Of all the people I've ever talked to, and people have come into my office and shared some pretty big things in their life, I've never said, go worry about it, and then come back and talk to me. Because it wouldn't work. It wouldn't make anything better. So Jesus is trying to say, you can't fix anything in your life for the good by worrying about it. So he's saying, stop. If you can't add time to your life by worrying, then why are you worrying? Just stop it. It's not that easy. We worry about a lot of different things. I read this article by a guy that said this. Through a bunch of surveys, he found out that 40% of the things we worry about will never happen. You know, plane's going to crash. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. 40% never going to happen. 30% are things that already happened and can't be changed. That's regret, worrying about the past. You can't change it, but you're still going to spend every day worrying about it, and it changes nothing. This is the point when people start elbowing each other when I'm trying to get through my message. I see it. Yep, that's you, that's you. 12% of the things we worry about are, 12% is what others think of us. I think it's a lot higher than that, but 12%, what others think of us and the criticism of others. 10% is about our health which gets worse with what? Worry. 8% of the things we worry about are legitimate life problems. So 92% of the things we worry about, we have absolutely no control over those things. 92%. The word worry literally means to strangle, constrict, or choke. So Jesus is trying to make it clear, worry will do nothing but weigh you down. Especially if that worry is about money. He's trying to say, look, birds don't worry, so why would you worry? Have you ever seen a worried bird? I mean, all the, all the geese from the north showing up about this time of year, they don't look worried. They look like that, you know, they got their act together and they know where they're going. There's a, there actually is a bird that should be worried. It's the, the, big, the big crow that comes to my window in my office. <laughs> And when it comes, it like, it fights itself. It will run into the window and flap its wings. And I'm sitting there and it's quiet. And then I, I'm just thinking, you need to hit a little harder, Mr. Crow. Just like, you need to come at this thing full speed. I mean, I've gone out there with a broom handle, everything. Because Jesus said I was more valuable than the bird. So don't blame me. And it still keeps slapping against my window, slapping against my window. It doesn't look worried. It's just fighting with itself. And Jesus is saying, if birds don't worry and they're valuable to God, how much more valuable are you to God? So why are you worrying? And then he says, look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. 
Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what you'll eat or drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid. It's hard to say I have faith when all I do is worry. And Jesus is talking about this in the context of not storing up things on this earth. In the context of only investing in this world and not thinking about the next. And the worry in my life may be an indicator of where my priorities are. And he's saying when God is first in my life, worry gets crowded out of my life. So maybe the areas where I have the most worry are the areas I haven't said, God, come in here. God, come into this part of my life. So if your worry is about money, whether you have a little or whether you have a lot and you're worried people are going to take it and you're more worried about it now because you have more or you're more worried because you need more, maybe that's an area of your life you haven't said, God, let me give you reign over this area of my life. Because the more he is in that area of our life, the more worry is pushed out of my life. So clearly, Jesus is saying, you can't get anywhere by worrying. It's not going to change anything for the good. You can't get anywhere by it, so stop it. But it's not as easy as just saying, I stop. I stop worrying. I'm stopping right now. I'm not going to worry anymore. It's not that easy. Because worry is something that we learn. If you have a toddler, you've, you probably haven't taken that toddler to the doctor, and the doctor said, you need to help this two-year-old stop worrying. He or she, they, they worry too much. They're just worried about stuff. Help them not to worry. Worry is something that we teach our kids. Oh, be careful. You don't hurt yourself. Oh, watch out. You're going to knock your teeth out. I was scared to death of my girls knocking their teeth out when they're little. I don't know why. Probably because my mother was scared of the same thing when I was growing up. I don't remember that, but, but it used to scare me. I was like, please, don't do that. That was before all the money was spent on braces. I was worried about it. And it wasn't long until I got them to be worried about it. So if you're a worrier, chances are your parents were worriers, at least one of them. And if they were worriers, somebody taught them to worry, probably their parents. If you are a chronic worrier, you probably come from a long line of worriers. You probably learned it somewhere else. So stopping it is not a quick fix. It takes time to unlearn or to learn how not to worry. To take the worry that's in your life and say, okay, it's going. But Jesus is helpful with his teaching, and so he gives us this antidote to worry. So if you're a worrier, if you identified with all the things Jesus has talked about when he said, who of you by worrying can add any moment to your life? You can't. It's a waste of time, so don't do it. He gives us an antidote for it. In the very next verse, the very next thing he says after, don't worry, it won't help you. Don't be afraid. I got you. Oh, Jesus, I'm still afraid. All right, try this. Luke 12, verse 33, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Oh, is there another way maybe? Is this just like, <laughs> is this a list? This is not a list. This is what he said. He's saying, 
If there's something in the way that prevents you from defeating worry in your life, you need to remove it. And if, if it's your stuff and your money, which it is for many, many people then, just give more of it away. Just start giving more of it away. Now that's difficult, especially if you have a lot of money. Because statistically, the more money you have, the less percentage you give. That's a fact. People who, who make less money, who have less money at their disposal, give a higher percentage of their income away to charity than people who have more money. So something causes us, as we go up this income ladder, to grab a hold of our money even more, to, to give less of a percentage away. So the people that have very little, hey, I'll, I'll write a big check. I'll give a large percentage. I'll, I'll give this percent or, or up at a percent. But as you gain more on the income ladder, you hold on to that money just a little bit tighter. And Jesus is saying, if you want to stop worrying about that, give more away. So defeating worry in my life and generosity in my life are connected. If I want to defeat worry about money, give more away. If you say, when you heard last week's message, I'm not greedy, then give more away. Then prove it. Yeah, I'm not saying just give it to here. Somewhere, give more away. And Jesus is saying, if you want to stop worry about money in your life, start giving more away. It's a principle that he laid out, and I've seen it work in people's lives over and over again. And he's saying, hey, when, when you give more away, it's hard to worry about it. Because the fact is, the more stuff I have, the more I have to worry about. I mean, we have lots of stuff. There's something that the, the millennial generation, the older teens, 20-somethings, can really teach us older folks. And that is this idea of living minimally. Because that, that generation, if you're in that generation, you all know how to live minimally and you want to, excluding anything that comes out from Apple. But you leave that alone. And then after that, you're willing to live a minimalist lifestyle. There's a website called becomingminimalist.com. And I, I was reading through it. I didn't read everything on it, so I don't know what all they, they say is good. But I, I read this one article where they talk about how much stuff we have and how the guys that wrote this article had this huge income with all this stuff and, and, or developed this website, had this huge income, all this material stuff. They worried about it. They had to get bigger places to store it. And they said, well, there's got to be a better way to live. And so they became minimalist. Still make good money, but they're more generous and they just give more away. And they give these stats if you want the link to this, you could just email me. My email's on the program, and, and I'll send you the link. They say, while 25% of the people, this is in regard to how much stuff we have, 25% of the people with two-car garages don't have room to park their cars inside of them. 32% only have room for one vehicle. So for you, maybe the garage is, well, that's not a place to put my car. That's just a huge door so I can get all my junk in there. Isn't it great when you can get your car in the garage? Doesn't it feel great? He's saying 25% of the people with two-car garages can't even get their stuff in there. The average 10-year-old owns 238 toys, but on average per day only plays with 12. Americans donate a whopping 1.9% of their income to charitable causes. Now, I'm just reading this, okay? I didn't write this. Women will spend more than eight years of their lives shopping. And the guys are like, yeah I, get, I, yeah, I can see that. I got that. 
That's just what that's what they said. Nearly half American households don't save any money. And, and, and this next one is such an indication of how much stuff that we have. The United States has upwards of 50,000 storage facilities, more than five times the number of Starbucks. Currently, there's 7.3 square feet of self-storage for self-storage space for every man, woman, and child in our nation. Thus, it's physically possible that every American could stand all at the same time under the total canopy of self-storage. That's a lot of self-storage. And we have all of that. Why? Because our stuff, we got to have our stuff. I've already started getting Black Friday ads. And I was sitting there yesterday after I got the mail, and I'm looking through it going, oh, I want to get that. I'm telling my wife, honey, I, we need one of these. And I'm looking at the day it's going to be on sale, and where's the coupon? And all of a sudden, I'm like, I am a hypocrite. I'm going to be talking to the church about not buying stuff, and I'm looking like, that's a good deal. I need one that big. You understand what I was looking at? <laughs> honey, you don't understand. It like, would fix a lot of things in life if I bought this. And I just put it away, and I said, God, help me. <laughs> help me be a better teacher. Jesus is trying to say all of that stuff that you see and you, you want, it's not bad, but it's bad when that's where you start to put trust, where that starts to be the thing that fills you up, where that starts to be the thing that causes you to worry. And he's saying, if you want to invest somewhere, invest in heaven because treasure there will never wear out because no matter what you buy today, it's going to be out of date later. Somebody might steal it. You might wreck it. It might burn. Something's going to happen to it. And Jesus is trying to say the things you worry about are the things that will wear out. So how about putting more treasure in heaven? And he says that's done through generosity. Put more treasure there where it never wears out, where it never gets old, where you never have to worry about it being stolen. There's nothing on this earth that's indestructible. Now, when I was a kid, I had this, uh, this little figurine called Stretch Armstrong. Show your age, be proud. Who had a Stretch Armstrong in here? I, I remember the commercial saying they're indestructible. He is not indestructible. Because if you tie each of Stretch Armstrong's arms to a, a mini bike on each side and you go in the opposite direction, it will rip him in half. So he's even, nothing on earth is indestructible, not even Stretch Armstrong. He has his limits. And Jesus is saying, don't trust in those things. That'll just lead you to a life of worry. Put your focus and your treasure somewhere else. Why? Because of the very next thing he says. For where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. He connects my money, my stuff, with my heart. And how I handle my money is an indicator of what's on the inside. The level to which I let it worry me, the level to which I'm willing to give it away and be generous with it, Jesus says that is an indicator of what's on the inside. Because what I value, my heart will go after it. We have values at our church. Our leaders uh, put out values many years ago and said, these are the things we're going to chase after. These are the things we're going to do. We're going to let these things guide us, and those values guide us. 
Every new opportunity that comes up, we go back to our values and say, does this fit in our values? I mean, it may be a great thing, but it doesn't fit. So the answer is no, we're not going to do that. Our church follows what we value. It's the same for the individual. Your heart follows that which you value. And if I want to stop worrying about my stuff, then I have to change the location of my treasure. And Jesus is saying, put it in heaven. And that starts with being generous. There's so many opportunities to worry about our stuff. There's so much stuff to get. We're getting ready to enter this buying frenzy holiday season that stores can't even close for a day. And everybody's going to get, oh my gosh, it's a good deal. So I'm going to buy it just because it's a good deal. And I'm all for a good deal and you should get it if it's something that you, you plan, but not just because. Not just because it looks nice on the ad. And we're getting ready to enter a season where people create so much regret in their life because down the road, you got to start paying for that. Or it's buying stuff for people who don't even need stuff. When there are people who need stuff, I can be generous towards, and that's what stores up treasure in heaven. And every family is different, and you've got to set your limits, and, and only you know where your income is. But Jesus is trying to say, the more stuff you have, the more you're going to worry about it and have to deal with it. When our girls were little, we had this routine that we did every Christmas. We would line up all the toys that they got, which was almost always too many because of grandparents. You can't, grandparents just mess up the plan. So they would have all these toys lined up and we would bring both of our girls into the living room and say, all right, girls, uh, you need to pick which one of these we're going to give away. Now, when they're little, they're way more generous. I remember Abby, our youngest one year, what she wanted was one of those life-size Barbies. They're very creepy. They're about, probably about that tall. And I honestly, that year was saying, please let her choose the creepy Barbie. That, and she had wanted that Barbie. So one of her grandparents got it for her, and she walked over to that Barbie and brought it over and said, this, Daddy's what I want to give away. And Cindy and I are just, oh, you know. We only did that for a couple more years. And I'm going to just be really honest. You know why? Because I know that it wouldn't have been long until those girls started to say, hey, Dad, could you line up your gifts and tell me which one you're going to give away? And I'm thinking, my gifts are a little more expensive. I'm not sure about that. So we just decided we're not going to do that anymore. We're finished. We're not even going to give them the chance. We're not even going to let them see us as hypocrites. We're just going to not mention it because they're young. They won't remember. And so we stopped doing it. The point is, Jesus is trying to say, don't let your heart get so intertwined with things here that your treasure becomes here. Because if you do that, then your heart will just chase after things that won't last, that won't help you for eternity, that won't let you see the benefit of that for eternity. So here's how we get ready for 2016. We look at this big shopping season that's getting ready to descend upon us, and we make some decisions. Maybe the first decision you make is, just give more away. Find something you're passionate about. Find something where you know when I give money there, it makes a difference, and give more away. Just make the decision now. We're just going to give more away this year instead of take on more uh, stuff for ourselves. Another way is you can just buy less. Just get on a budget, 
make a decision and buy less. You can find some great budgeting, Christmas budgeting, year-round budgeting resources on that Facebook group, Debt-Free Christmas. Another thing is just to adjust what you treasure. What is it that you treasure? And only you can determine that, but adjust what you treasure if you're treasuring things that's leading your heart after things that cause you to worry. What would it look like if we all did that? What would it look like if we all said, we're going to give more away, we're going to spend less, and we're going to treasure that which is eternal over anything else? I would imagine the things we buy are even going to be more enjoyable to us when we know what we've done with the other. I imagine the time we spend over the next several weeks is even going to be more enjoyable when we know we've approached it with a completely different attitude of not getting more stuff, but giving more way and placing our treasure in the right place. I bet if you do that, you're going to be in 2016 writing thank you notes to us saying, hey, thanks for helping me not worry. Thanks for helping me make sure my credit card had a zero balance when I opened it in January. Thanks for helping me know where my treasure needs to be. Let's pray. God, we pray for our worries. God, we pray that you just give us each a spirit of discernment. When we see things we we want, things we might even need, God, help us to gain perspective when it comes to buying, when it comes to giving, when it comes to the the Christmas season that's almost upon us. And God, the the person or people who are sitting here right now that, that worry about their money, whether they have a little or a lot, I pray that you would lift them above it and let them bring you into that part of their lives so worry could be crowded out. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.